You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 130, John Lord Saraband. And coming to you from the Fall Fest suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John, Mr. Fix-It Matola. Mr. Fix-It. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Are you doing some handiwork around the house? Yeah, well, not around the house, around uh, around my parents' house. Oh, you're 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 lending your your vast amount of of handyman cred to to helping them. No, none of it, because this is <laughs> this is what you're hiring a handyman for them. <laughs> no, this isn't about this is about everyday things because my uh. my parents are in their mid seventies, so they're starting to, you know, starting to get and they're retired, so they're starting to get like uh, starting to act old. And um, my dad wanted a uh, a stud finder. He said, "Do you uh, have the, a stud finder?" He's he a classic me. joke. Yep. Hold yeah, it, hold goes, it up against there yourself. It is. Oh, hey, hey, it's it working. <laughs> I hold it up against me. Hey, Even my son does that now because <laughs> he's like, "What is this?" And I told him, and I told him the dumb joke, and now every time he sees it, he's like, "Hey." But he he texted me. Mm-hmm. This is the funny part: is he texted me and he goes. Do you have a stud finder? And I have a, yeah, I have a toolbox with a bunch of stuff because I do some minor, you know, handiwork around here. So I'm like, yeah, sure. And he said, can you bring it over? Because he wanted to find a stud in the wall. I'm like, yeah. I said, just remind me but next time before I come over. So then he texts me and he goes, he goes, hey, um, come on over. We're having chicken for dinner. Don't forget the stud finder. I'm like, all right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, come on over. I'll, you know, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. Maybe you can take a dog for the walk. Uh, don't forget the stud finder. I'm like, all right, I won't forget the stud finder. <laughs> then the the third text was just in like, and I didn't like show the any third text signs was just of stud not finder remember. in all capital letters. <laughs> How did you know? Did I tell oh, you? Was it really? <laughs> <laughs> just stud finder, and I I lost it. I'm like, what is? Um, I'm like, I will. I'm gonna remember. Don't worry. And um, and then of course I did the classic. Did you bring the stud? Oh, I forgot it. Yeah. Oh God, you know. No, here it is. Um, but then after that, he's like, oh, and I can't pair my phone, my Bluetooth to the, to the car. And I'm like, all right, I'll help you with that. And then he's like, Hey, can you pick up some itch cream? I have an itch. And I'm like, what, what is going on over there? <laughs> you're, the, you're more than a fix it, man. You're like a medicine man. <laughs> you're I'm like, like everything. You're like the village elder where they go to with all their problems. <laughs> oh, we can't find a stud and my eye is itching and this, and you know, I, my, my wife is, is left me. What, what do I do? Wise man. And then I get over there and then my mother wants to talk about area rugs, like the entire time because she's redecorating and she's just like, here, let me, come here. I want to show you what I'm thinking for area rugs down here. I'm like, I don't care. It's like, what? guess, guess how many area rugs that you can find when you, when you look it up on the internet, guess how many you find? I'm like, I don't know, a million. She's like 400 pages. And I'm like, wow, I don't care. Um, just buy a, please buy a rug for the love of God, yes. buy a rug. Every time I tried to escape to like, you know, get some chips or something like that, I said, John, come here. Would you look at this rug? I'm like, I'm sure it's great, ma. And um, 
Yeah, so they're um, they're lovely. They're driving me nuts. <laughs> I hear you. Well, my my wife always asks for my input on things, and then yeah. does whatever she wants to do. It's like that's like her classic move. She'd be like, so she'd be like, oh, which rug do you think looks better? And I'm like, uh, so at this point, I'm just like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, because well, the thing is, I don't care generally yeah. unless it's like a you know rug that just has Nate sucks written on it or something. I <laughs> like even then I would be like, ah, it's actually pretty funny. But no, I don't I think actually I, Rich has that rug in his house. <laughs> he might. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't care. And then I, but I also know from, from the, you know, nearly 20 years we've been together that my input is listened to, but never really. Well, she's, I think she, she would say that she considers it, but she just does whatever she wants to do. So she just (laughs) wants to hear what I have to say. If I validate what she wants to do, great. If I don't, then she's just going to do what she, which is fine because I don't care. Like, I don't ask her for input of like, hey, which which TV do you think I should get for the basement? I just get the TV because <laughs> I know she's not going to have any input or care. So, but but mm. I'm not spared so much. So I have to, yeah, I have to, I, I have to do the same thing. Look at I'll look at all the area rugs. I'd be like, I kind of like that one. She'd be like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what am I doing here? Oh my goodness. But yes, yeah. Yesterday we had a, a our well. Yesterday we recorded our Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> episode mm-hmm. um which was as of this of recording a few weeks ago and it was 90 degrees and we had the fall fest so we were all in the 90 degree heat sweating and trying celebrating to, fall celebrating fall and then it, it was literally 90 degrees baking in oh. the sun um still got my kiss tattoo going strong <laughs> very hard to show off though with the angle i love it got my kiss tattoo going strong they said it'll last a week so here we go but yes as of as of recording this uh it, we're well into fall and i'm enjoying my yearly oktoberfest beer the Iinger oktoberfest marzen oh my favorite time of year i get a case of it every year have like one a night until they're all gone drop a few off to my father-in-law because it's hard to get like they just release it and then you can't find it but anyway mm-hmm. If you want to join, so one of the the things I was thinking about recently is, so we've got our patrons. If you want to support the show, you can become a patron on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. If you've been listening, you know the rap. Uh, You can also donate on PayPal. But we we, we never talk about the benefits you get from being uh, on Patreon. First of all, if you you get the patron feed, which sometimes has stuff on it that's just for patrons, very rarely. But we also, you have access to our spreadsheet, which shows you all of our ratings, and you can look and check out our ratings and our album scores and all that. But we also, every time we get a new patron, I'm always like, hey, what can we do? What can we offer our patrons as a reward? You know, and I've been thinking about this a lot, like, I want to offer something different to patrons, but every time I ask, they're like, ah, we just want to support the show. But we've got to think, if if you have any ideas, please let me know. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email me, whatever, Nate at uh, deeppurplepodcast.com, because we want to think of some other ways that we can offer some benefits uh, for those of you that uh, that support the show. So uh, that's that's one way to support the show. Second, of course, is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy merch at our Etsy store if you want any of our shirts or mugs. Um, so we'd really appreciate that. And, uh, speaking of our wonderful patrons coming in at the 10 pound tier in our executive level patron group, we have Dr. Jill Brees at the turn it up to $11 tier. We have Clay Wambacher, um, at the, uh, oh, oh, also Frank Teelgard Mortensen, Alan ain't too proud to beg and Mickelstein, of course, 
Uh, we at the $10 Someone Came Tier. We have Steve Seaborg of NameOnAnything.com and AllTheWorldsOfStage.net. Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Gerald Kelly, and Victor Campos. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Um, some other updates. Obviously, Deep Dive Podcast Network, where you can find some other like-minded podcasts uh, similar to ours. Um, and then additionally, uh, I've got an update, which is, so as of listening to this episode our alternate video hosting site is going to be no more. So I went onto the site. I was going was to... Was that uh, CocoScope? Yes. So I was going on there because our, our mm. uh, Rainbow On Stage episode was blocked on YouTube. So I went to CocoScope to up- upload it there, which I always do with our blocked videos. And it had a little thing, a banner on the top that says, due to pressure from our supporters or whatever, CocoScope is shutting down as of October 1st. So as of mm. this episode coming out, it'll be down for almost a couple of weeks. Um, so currently I'm looking for an alternative that we can where we can put the video episodes. The video episodes, like I say, are such a tiny fraction of the listens that we get. Um, so um, what I might just do is just end up saying, Hey, here's a link to the audio feed in the event that our video gets blocked. Cause it only takes me a couple of minutes to throw together the video file. It takes, it takes a little while for it to render, but just editing the file real quick, it really takes no time at all. So it's not a big deal. And then I can upload it. It'll be a kind of a crapshoot every week. And I'd say maybe one out of 10 episodes gets blocked. Um, so you won't be able to access those anymore in CocoScopes. There'll still be some dead links on the site. I apologize for that. But, uh, yeah, let us know how you feel. Hopefully this episode won't get blocked on YouTube so you can actually hear this if you're a video watcher. Uh, so let us know what you think. Should we look for an alternative host? Should you just, are you cool with just clicking on something on the thing to, to, to listen to that? Um, but I know we've had a, a number of people who are active on Facebook and that like to watch the video episodes, so... Throwing it out there. We'll see what happens in the next, in the coming weeks. All right. So here we are. John Lord Saraband. And like I always do, kind of throw it to you. We kind of did it. We, we normally never talk about the subject before the show, but we talked. We made the mistake of talking about it for about 30 seconds before we started. So mm-hmm. um, I might know the answer to this already. But, John, tell me your history with the album Saraband. I have none. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, apparently, according to you, I have a history of making fun of the album cover. Yes, but yeah. um, but no, I as far and I, I know that I'm guilty of saying this all the time. I've never heard. I probably like will listen and be like, oh yeah, I know that one. But I, to my knowledge, I don't think that I've ever heard it. Um, so. Yeah, I know on our John Lord episode, we listened to the live version of Saraband that they performed on our John Lord tribute episode that we did whenever we did that. Um, But -hmm. yeah, other than that, you might not be as familiar with it. And this is definitely one that kind of slipped by me uh, as well. Like I listened to it in the recent years a a couple times and I really like it. Uh, But I definitely when I was really into my big deep purple phase uh, coming up as a teenager, late teens, early twenties, I didn't, I, I didn't know. But my main memory of it was so the cover, which we'll get to in a minute, is John Lord going Shh, like he's like shushing somebody, like Shh. and uh, my main memory of it was whenever we were in the record store looking through the record bins, whenever you found it, you would hold it up and you would you would hold it upside and go Nate, and then I look over and you go. Shh. <laughs> you'd hold it beside your head and do the sh- which you don't remember doing but that was always in my memory whenever I see this album cover I kind of laugh because it always makes me think of I know it's not like a it's not a humorous album cover if you act, just look at it but knowing that that's always kind of stuck in my mind 
And well, it sounds like something I'd do. So yes, I'm sure you can believe <laughs> that you did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh. th- this album was uh, so he began composing this and scoring this between January and August of 1975. So while they would have been working on Stormbringer and shortly before uh, while Richie left the band and Tommy joined and all that. So like, well, they, well, I'm sorry, they would have been on like the Stormbringer tour and then uh, they would have been working on material for Come Taste the Band. Tommy would have just joined uh, and, it, and Tom, Come Taste the Band came out shortly after that. So I guess he was kind of in the middle of, okay, well, Richie's leaving. We're going to be in the studio a lot. We've got a new guitarist and he was kind of working on this on the side. So it was recorded between only, it, it was recorded only over four days, September 3rd through the 6th at the Stod Hall. Oh my go- goodness, Jorg, please forgive me. The Stod Hall or Erkenschwick near Dusseldorf, Germany. Um, it was remixed at Musicland Studios in music in Munich, and uh, so this is kind of the next progression of his like they, you know sort of classical. But this isn't really classical. It's 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 a. I mean, it is and it isn't. It's it's a band. It's it's kind of following that tradition that we've seen with him. We've done an episode on the concerto. We've done an episode on Gemini Suite. We've done an episode on Windows. And then it leads to this. So this is the next kind of solo project he's working on, even though the concerto was considered a Deep Purple album. Really, that was kind of more of a marketing thing. It was a John Lord album. So this this is like the fourth in that series, if you want to consider it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, this is the end of of of. Deep Purple's original run. Blackmore leaves in spring of 1975. April, in the middle of April is his last show. Um, and by 1975, he's working on this album. Immediately after that, Tommy Bolin joins. They record their final album, and the band's broken up for a while. So John moved near Dusseldorf, recorded Saraband between those dates, and Eberhard Schoner joins him again, who we know from Windows. Uh, this time he's conducting the Philharmonia Hungarica other rock musicians were invited to uh, join this recording, but unlike Windows, this time none of them would be from Deep Purple. So who would we have? On bass, we have Paul Karras. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He was in bands called Storm and Rare Bird. He has a small handful of entries on Discogs. Um, obviously, the big uh, composed by John Lord. He plays Hammond, he plays piano, he plays grand piano, he plays synthesizer, arp odyssey, string ensemble, clavinet, does the score, soloist, all those all those great credits. Uh, conducted by Eberhard Schoner. Drums, we have Pete York again, of course, from Harden and York, and who, who also did the drums on Windows, who formerly of Spencer Davis Group. On guitar, though, interestingly, we have Andy Summers, uh, the guitarist for The Police. So he's joining... Um, John Lord, and at this point, from what I'm looking, and I don't know much about the police, so I apologize. He was basically a, vir- a virtually unknown. Uh, didn't didn't have a lot of entry. I couldn't find much on Andy Summers pre Saraband. So um, interesting that it kind of worked out that way, and he'd be go on to achieve huge levels of, of success after this. And then on percussion, once again, Mr. Mark Nosif. Uh, formerly with Elf, many Deep Purple podcast episodes include him. Ian Gillen Band. Uh, he was on Live Butterfly Ball. He's he's been all over the place uh, uh, as far as a percussionist surrounding uh, many Deep Purple projects. And then on the technical end, we have Hans Menzel, a German audio engineer who had worked on Stormbringer and with Uriah Heap. We have regular flavor Martin Birch. No. Uh, 
no I always wonder when I see a regular mountain birch I'm like oh was he sad that day or was he like was he not into it like like he didn't come up I guess it was only four days so maybe he didn't have time to get a nickname maybe Martin Shush Birch um no it wasn't too hard to say Martin Shush Birch Birch Shush Birch see um and then uh yeah so that's uh the kind of technical uh the technical uh background behind this album so uh with that that brings us to what we've already covered briefly which is the album cover john what do you think about this album cover when you get to look at it a little more closely when you're not just mocking me from a cross tower records <laughs> um it's pretty pretty simple um Pretty simple, but there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost it almost makes me think of like a white snake cover because like the you know the a specific the white women, snake cover the women surrounding it you know are on that you know that whatever dragon or whatever well, it if is you, with the scales. If you block out the, the the two women on the left and just look at the one on the right, what is, what white snake album does that remind you of? Oh, Love Hunter. Yep. So you've, it's very similar. Like it's so similar that it makes me wonder, it's not by the same artist, but it makes me wonder, was there any influence there? Because it's got the naked woman straddling a serpent. It's very, very similar to the Love Hunter album cover. Like if John Lord suggested that to Coverdale later. Um, yeah. Well, although, maybe. although by that point he, he, I think he came in afterwards on Love Hard to write and really re-recorded all the organs. So he would have been kind of late to the game oh. at that point. So I don't know. Or if maybe, I, I don't know. Is this like a common mythological thing? I don't know. So, so the, so it's basically uh what do you call it? Or Ouroboros, the, the snake eating its own tail um, on there, like kind of representing infinity. And then you've got the, the three naked women straddling the, uh, Ouroboros, I think I'm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, and then um, inside you just got you got to pick just a picture of John Lord with his bangs over his eyes and everything, just shushing his which, finger over his lips, which is just kind of a weird, kind of a weird album cover. Which is something he 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 would do frequently in in concert when he was doing a solo. He would just kind of shush to the audience, like he'd bring it down and you. And he, so it's probably like a live shot of him doing a solo. I, I don't know if there's any more background behind that photo, but it's something that I never really realized until later. Cause I always remember seeing this album cover and then I later would see live concerts with him. I think there's one specifically with, with white snake where he does an organ solo and then he, he shushes the crowd and he makes it like more quiet and he's doing like more dynamic stuff. So it's kind of a, one of his trademark little poses along with the way he points to, and he does that thing where he, he does like a big point with the thumb sticking up to whoever's going to be on stage or whoever just did a solo. He gives them like kind of a little a little point or that that one he did with Glenn Hughes where they did you keep on moving and he's he, he's like pointing to people like he's he comes on stage. He just takes over. He's like, I'm John Lord. I'm I'm running the show here and he starts pointing. Um, but it's a great I think it's it's a beautiful illustration. It's just black on this like tan background very simple looking album cover and then you've got an actual cutout and, and John Lord's face there. So really no, interesting. i think that maybe like you know john lord could it could have been like a i don't know like a posed picture of him or something like um but you know instead it's just this kind of weird um you know it's a very 70s looking album cover so in that regard i think it's uh it's kind of neat yeah 
it, ca- it captures his essence very well. And it's interesting because he's a, he's an actual photograph, not just drawn in there. Um, or or not even affected like the, the like the cover of Windows was just him, but it looked like it was affected to look like it was almost a drawing or right. like it was posterized yeah. in some way. And this is just mm-hmm. kind of a straight photo. Um, and we'll get into how that plays out when we get into the next part. But so this album cover was designed by John Kosh, who you can read more information of. He designed album covers for many albums. He was in, responsible for designing the covers for Abbey Road and Let It Be by the Beatles. So mm. not exactly a lightweight in the album iconic album art category um he was the creative director for apple records which was the beatles um record label which kind of folded pretty pretty soon either before or after they broke up i can't remember when exactly he also handled the war is over campaign for john leno and john lennon and yoko ono he did the album cover for the family album fearless uh, which I have behind me back there, and the Spencer Davis album, Glugo, two two really great albums. Also, the Who's Who's Next, another super iconic album cover. Um, and, and if you start looking through his Discogs entries or his Wikipedia, you'd just be blown away by how many iconic album covers he has. And, and then you can kind of see the similarities, like, oh, like he did a lot, like Abbey Road and Who's Next, for example, are two things that it's just like, boom, it's a picture, nothing really else added to it. Very simple. Doesn't even say the name of the band or, but at that point the, the Beatles didn't really need to say who they were. It was just them walking on a street. So came up with some really great designs and some, um, I don't know that he was specifically, I don't think he did the photography, but he must've been the guy who kind of came up with the concept as far as I can tell from what I've read. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, um, to our listeners, uh, illustrations by Michael Bryan. He had also worked with John Lennon, Yoko Ono on the shaved fish album. He worked with BB King huh. and Marvin Gaye as well. <laughs> John likes Sorry. shaved fish. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was, it was like a, just kind of a knee jerk reaction. You're like shaved fish. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's again, it's disgusting. It's, it's always disgusted me that shaved fish. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. It's just gross. Okay, so this is the album cover, and then when you open up the album, well, album. So I wish I had the actual physical album here because uh, I, I never owned a copy of the vinyl. I wish I did, but but it's from what I know about it, it's actually a cutout. So when you open it up, this is what you see. You see that uh, or a with the women around it, and then there's a cutout where John John Lord's face would have been. Uh, been put and then when you open it up you see this circular f- photo it's a full photo of him and you can see his keyboards in the background and stuff uh, that makes a little more it's a little more in context there yeah so it's kind of interesting when you open it up like that and then on the back side of it you or I, that, that even might be the sleeve where the record's in is another one where you can kind of slide that in and it's a picture I mean, I don't even know what it's a picture of. It looks like just like a star field with like a, like a nebula in front of it or something, but it's all black and white and it looks really cool. And then it just lists uh, the tracks. Um, I'm sorry. It just lists the musicians the, uh, and the, uh, and what they played. And then uh, you've got this here, here which was um, says side one, Fantasia, Saraband, Aria. It goes through all that. And it says the theme behind the music on this album is that of Baroque dance suite, a form of music mm. which was brought to its highest level by Bach. Of course, it always comes to Bach, right? The title of each track is the name of a dance used in one of these dance suites. And I have tried to use the same tempo and feel as an original Saraband. Jig, I might be pronouncing that wrong, etc. 
composed and scored by John Lord between January and August 1975 in Munich, Germany. We went through all that already. Recorded between the 3rd and 6th of September. Um, it goes through all the, the, the people, and then it just kind of talks about all the different people that are involved with it, which we've already gone over. And the photography by Finn Costello, which actually I don't think I saw on the... Um, yeah, I don't think I have that on my notes, so I don't. I, I might not have seen that on Discogs, but Finn Costello is always uh, nearby when it comes to uh, Deep Purple and many other rock bands at this point. So there you have it. That's the um, that's the album. That's the the record label itself. And uh, then we're uh, after that. We are just off to um, to the album itself. But before we do that. You know the drill. We need to thank our core level patrons coming dollar coming in. I'm sorry. At the nine dollar sixty nine cent nine plus Coverdale tier. Richard Fusey at the seven dollar seventy seven cent. Keep it warm. Rat tier. Michael Vader at the seven dollar. No one named tier. It is vacant. No longer occupied by Richard Fusey at the episode six dollar and sixty six cent tier. We have Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith and Anton Glaving at the six dollar sixty five cent almost evil tier. We have Kenny Wymore at the five dollar ninety nine cent nice price tier. We have Fielding Fowler and at the five dollar money lender tier. We have Greg Sealby, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Oleksi, the perfect stranger Slepikov, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Kev Roberts, Will Porter, Zwopper, the electric alchemist and Tim Southern Cross. Johnson, thank you so much to all of you for your amazing contributions to the Deep Rebel podcast. Whew. All right. Well, here we are. We're at the tracks here. Uh, they all have one word names. I think I'm going to pronounce most of them correct. Well, well, some of them. I think there's two I'm unclear on, but so you can laugh at me if you're a, if you're a, a John Lord fan from way back. Send me in my corrections. Probably should have looked it up beforehand, but I don't know how to pronounce if it's Zig or... Well, I guess we'll see. But here we go. First track up, it begins with Fantasia. This is kind of a considered to be a, an overture of sorts. So here we go. Oh, oh. A lot of empty space at the beginning of that track. You notice with these John Lord, like, classical albums, especially the more recent, like this and Gemini Suite, they're, like, quasi-classical, but they've got that punch to it. Of It's probably Martin Birch. Normally, classical albums, they'll have a, a lot more lulls and really quiet parts, but there's so much punch in the John Lord albums. Mm-hmm. And it could be just that Martin Birch wasn't, you know, the producers for classical albums were all kind of coming from that that school of thought and he was coming from a rock band school he's going to he's going right. to produce this the same way he'd produce a rock band right so there's three sections to this this would be the second section amazing that with everything going on Stormbringer happening the tour coming to a close 
Richie leaving the band, them finding a new guitarist, starting to record a new band. John Lord was like, yeah, there's not enough going on right now. I'm going to work on this solo project. (laughs) (laughs) We're in between guitarists, in between albums, in between tours. Everything going on. He's always doing something, you know? And this is why, you know, he would eventually leave the band altogether is he wanted to... This will probably be the third section here, but with a little heavier here. And he wanted to focus more on this music. He probably was just backing up in his brain and he wanted to, to get it out. And it's what he able, was able to do with his last 10 years. You've got that back and forth now with like rock elements and classical elements, which he's been perfecting over the past six years or so. You know, it blends in here a lot more seamlessly than, say, the concerto, for instance. And every every time he does it, he seems to just take it up another notch. Is how he kicks off, kicks off Saraband. Nice little, a nice little overture there. And we've got hmm. the, uh, we haven't used it in a little bit. I'm getting a little rusty. But I had to, I had to, I had to open the the rating spreadsheet here. Know, <sighs> Blow huh? some dust off of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it probably hasn't been that long as far as time goes, but as far as episodes, the episodes we've done anyway, <laughs> the ones you haven't heard yet, if you yeah, weren't part of the live streams. So, Fantasia, how would you rank that one? That's Fantasia, huh? Fantasia. Let's see. Get out of my cell there. Oh, so I'm sorry, sorry. I'm invading <laughs> John's personal cell space. Yeah, get out of my virtual space. Um, I'll give it a I'll give it three point five. I thought it was good, but um Yeah, I guess I'm just you know, rating it on like um I I can't really grab onto it, you know. Yeah. Like I mean I'm not saying it's not good, but it's um it's not it's not memorable. Like I wouldn't go back and be like, ooh, I'm gonna listen to Fantasia today. <laughs> well it's it's a uh and I, I think that's a thing about it too. It's it's serving as an overture. So it's kind of like any overture. Like the like I if I was gonna listen to any track from Jesus Christ Superstar, I wouldn't go straight to the overture. Because it's just right. it's it's setting up, it's serving its purpose, it's setting up the uh it's it's setting up what's going to be happening um, in this in this album. So I also give it a 3.5. I really like it. It's obviously well done, well recorded, well played. Sounds really, yes. I like when it goes into that kind of foreboding, boom, 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 boom. So it starts to sound really, really menacing. So that's setting us up for the next track. This, I believe, is one of the longer tracks on the album, which is Saraband. Um, so here we go. Kicking it, kicking it to the next track on this album on second track on side one, Sarah Band. 
And this to me is where the album really starts to come together. I just love the groove that the song's got. I'd love to know how he hooked up with Andy Summers. I'm sure somebody out there listening knows. I couldn't really find anything about it. So, you know, this has a this has like a main groove to it. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's I think what always helps no, just, us latch yeah. on to things because we're not classical music guys by nature. There's Pete York and Mark Nazif. I love just with those swelling strings in the background. I like that really kind of like distant sounding uh, guitar playing the uh, the main melody line in the background. Yeah. You know, it just sounds like, all right, we're just going to put the mic on the other side of the room and uh, whoever, whoever you are, just play it. <laughs> whoever this new guy is, we don't know. He's not going to amount to much after this. And then John Lord comes in and takes over with the Moog after that, which is really great. I love how this song builds. And it's so super simple. Yeah, it is getting more dramatic. But it's amazing listening to a song that's... where I can really admire the composition of it, even though it's so simple, I could play most of the parts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got the, just that main dun, 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 And that's pretty dun, much it through the whole song. They, they mix it up a little bit, but it's the guitar's doing very, you know, I mean, John Lord's doing a little bit of a solo here, but it's very tame. Yeah, but it's just kind of the different melody lines and uh, things that they do over it that make it interesting different sounds that they're using. And it's even when a, when an instrument is doing that, it's still kind of sitting in the background, it feels like. It feels like the main groove of the song is, is always in the forefront, which is a really interesting... I, I don't know if that was an intentional decision, but it, it definitely works really well. Great guitar sound there. I feel like Tommy Boland would have been good on this. Oh, yeah. Too bad he would have started it probably before he even really 
met Tommy. But just kind of the the way the guitar sounds uh, makes me think of uh, makes me think of him and his style. Mm. And they're also kind of like kind of look like on spectrum. They're using a similar tone on the Moog, which makes it almost sound this. Sometimes you're having a difficulty discerning between the guitar and the keys. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because some of this stuff, probably due to the way the sound of it is now, makes me think of like kind of those mid to mid to late, uh, you know, original lineup Sabbath albums with, uh, you know, some of the keyboard stuff mm. they did, you know, like this, you know, probably used like the same sounds, or the same instrument type of instruments. Oh, wow, well, no, you can just go into like full like woodwinds here. Song is so dramatic. I wonder what a casual Deep Purple fan would would have thought purchasing this and putting it on the turntable. It's like, what is going on here? Mm. I'm sure some were disappointed that it didn't sound like Deep Purple. And some were pleased, and some knew what they were going to be getting into because they knew John Lord. Orchestra stabs are powerful. Like John Lord always has these themes for his albums too, which is real, which mm-hmm. makes it very interesting. And the Saraband is a Spanish dance from the 16th century. Oh. Saraband, the titular Saraband. (laughs) The titular. Titular. First shaved fish, now titular. (laughs) What next? (laughs) What next, indeed? I didn't create either of those things. Okay, Saraband, what do you think about this one? I liked it. Four. All right. I like how... um, um, I, I kind of like how chill it was and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I like how like now, like at this point, 
when when like you know that a, uh, at least we know now expecting a John Lord solo album you're like okay we're gonna get some kind of orchestra orchestral thing in here but at this point it doesn't sound like hey we're playing rock and roll and hey now look here's an orchestra it's like right you know it's it's more it's more blended in it's not like this kind of like an uh, trying to be like a novelty idea yeah it's pretty seamless yeah and i mean especially if you you're a john lord fan you're you're already expecting it so it's not just kind of like oh hey look at that you know like uh um but i mean you know the definitely the the concerto it was it was cool because you know even though like the a, a lot of the parts were like uh they they kind of married them together but it was kind of obvious that they were not forcing it but you know trying to put two like hey here we're trying yeah. to put two things together that don't go together it's like this is like all right this music is written to be together and you can tell you know it, it's it's very well composed um, absolutely and i liked it and i liked that simple theme that we talked about that was going through the whole thing and uh, he did a lot with it mm-hmm. so for sure um yeah i'm having a hard time with this one i'm gonna give it ah to hell with it i'm gonna give it a five i uh oh I this is this is the the I'm mostly I've I've seen a few live performances of this and it's the thing on the album I'm the, the most familiar with by a lot and I've always loved it. I think there's live versions of it that are even more exciting mm-hmm. than the album version. But I've just always loved the groove of it. It sounds like Dave Dave Brubeck. It's really it's just it's it's so simple. But but it's it's one of those things that's so simple. It's it's genius. Like how did how could you compose something that's this simple and turn it? Basically, it's it's a repeating line of almost through the entire song, but yet make it still be interesting for seven and a half minutes. It's it's kind mm-hmm. of a big challenge, and I think he, he just nails it on this. I think it's his. I think it's John Lord's one of his absolute masterpieces. So that's my feelings on Sarah Band. Okay. Next up is nice. is Aria. Nice. nice dude. Wicked nice. <laughs> nice. Um, we've got Aria, Aria, I suppose. And I believe this is just um piano and synthesizer. So let's uh let's or it might might have additional things. Let's let's take a listen. Might have some additional things. Some stuff. So far I think it's holding up that I'm right. <laughs> we have three minutes left. I guess that makes sense. Aria is a um, is a is a self-contained piece for one voice, with or without in- instrumental or orchestral accompaniment. My first bass was an Aria Pro Two. Mm. It's a piece of junk. <laughs> You know, it sounds a little bit like 
kind of like a soundtrack, like opening for like some kind of horror movie or like suspense movie. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of the feeling I'm getting from it. Yeah, like it's almost you know, like it's almost sounds pleasant, but then you're like, oh, there's some notes in there that just make me a little uneasy. Yeah, it's like it's it's kind of haunting, but like in a very calming way, which makes it disturbing. Mm-hmm. That part right there reminds me of like a butterfly ball or wizard's convention sort of thing. When you get that acoustic piano with the layered with those synths. Mm hmm. There's like a lot of intentional like parts where he's they're landing just like a half step off of the note you're expecting. And then they they he hits it. <laughs> John Lord hits it like he, he he winds up on he'll he'll wind up on whatever it is. Maybe it's the D flat or the C sharp. And then he just eh, nudges it up a half step. And, you know, oh, OK, you can relax now. Michael Myers isn't going to get me. Not yet. <laughs> Doesn't even feel like that. It feels uh, it feels kind of like those those um, those those suspense films that I see where it's just like a family is like driving to their country house out in the woods and they're going to be isolated and they find out that the house is like haunted by a spirit mm. from like uh, long long ago. Yeah, you see their car driving on like this windy dark road. They they pan out and you see it from the distance and you hear this this music playing. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can I can picture it. As they come over, crest over a hill, and you see the house. This house is creepy, Dad. Oh, don't worry, kids. This is going to be fine. 90 minutes later, you find (laughs) out it wasn't fine. (laughs) That was far from fine. Far from fine. Not fine at all. Fineless. Fineless. (laughs) You know, I had somebody describe something that didn't have nuts in it you know they say like you know <laughs> they say nutless. like something with like with the yeah they said nutless they're just like you know the one that's nutless i'm like why why would you describe it like that <laughs> nut for, yeah not nut free yeah you say or... nut free you don't say like you know oh the, the nutless banana bread <laughs> you say the nut you know it sounds like banana the banana bread bread's not good oh man there's no oomph to this banana bread it's nutless <laughs> 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 See, it's nut free or it doesn't have nuts in it. Doesn't it doesn't have, any, like it's doesn't have any sack. <laughs> you need to really add some walnuts or something and spice this thing up. <laughs> some, some shaved fish. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh, I never thought of it that way. I always thought of it like a hairy fish that you shave, but yeah, I guess you could like. <laughs> yeah, that was what disgusted me, but it's also disgusting to like shave fish meat into something. That's not that great either. Oh, it's just kind of like the. Not that it's one of those words that makes me uncomfortable, but the word moist. Mm. You know, most people are like, oh, don't say that. It's like, to me, it just conjures up just a really just kind of like mushy image. Yeah, a lot lot of people have problems with the word moist. Yeah. Yeah, understandable. I get it. <laughs> was, was it you? All right. So what, what it, are we was talking about? We're talking about. Oh no, that was. Uh, we're talking about John Lord. Um, <laughs> no, it was somebody. Was what was I talking about? That was. 
a friend of mine or I can't remember who it was where we were talking about how, you know, moist, you can use moist to. Oh, yeah, it was, it was my neighbor. We were talking about the word moist and we were saying, you know, you use all you know, oh, this cake is nice and moist. Oh, oh, you know what it was? OK, so my son went over. I think they were swimming in the pool with his son and he's like, oh, my towel, it's, it's all moist. And I was like, well, because <laughs> I like try to correct them. I'm like, you don't really use moist. That I mean, it's not like wrong, but it's kind of weird to use it that way. Like you wouldn't say. And then, <laughs> and then me and my neighbor was just we're talking. We were talking and we we're saying like you wouldn't eat a cake and be like, oh, this cake is so wet. It's delicious. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> so like calling a towel moist and cake wet, you know, just both just don't they don't work. Even though they're kind of synonyms, just doesn't work. So it's those little oh, yeah, those cake little is nice and- those little like um distinctions for a for a nine year old that they have to make in language that you, you would you don't oh. really use the word that way. No, um, you're I mean yeah. I like I a mean- nice wet chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I like and typically I like, you know, uh, walnut chocolate chip cookies, but today I'm going to go nutless and just have regular <laughs> chocolate chip. Going nutless. <laughs> I'm going com- I'm going commando. <laughs> no, that would be far from nutless. <laughs> It'd be very Oh man, all right, where All right, where were we? This? Aria. How we're, would you we're rank- going downhill fast? <laughs> Um, <laughs> we usually start at the bottom of the hill, so I don't know how, how we can get downhill from there. Mm. But All right, so now I have to think of this beautiful song that we just listened to. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm going to give um, Aria... Um, I'll give the... Oh, whoa, that's, that's too much. There we go. I'm going to give that one a four. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for all the reasons that I had mentioned while we were... Before we you know, went into the gutter um, was, is that I think that it's a, uh, it's a good, it's a showpiece obviously for John Lord. And mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, it's a, that great balance. Like you would find like in a suspense movie, which is what it really evoked for me, you know, those feelings of being like, you know, kind of like happy, but also like a little, like this, this kind of ominous doom behind it um, sure. almost, you know, just because of his, his choice of notes and um, you know, whatever scales he was playing in, you know, there was like, it's a, I feel it's a delicate balance, but I mean, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he's freaking John Lord. So, I mean, he can handle it. Yep. He's the man. And for that reason, I will also give him a four on this one. Great, great track. Great. It really, it brings up a lot of emotion. I think that's the interesting thing is, uh, a long, a while ago, like I was always worried about what would we do when we get to albums like this that are instrumental. And I don't know why that kind of like scared me a little bit, but it's just they're, they're they're away from they're out of the mold a little bit. They're not just traditional rock albums. But whenever yeah. we, like when we listen to Gemini Suite, I, those, I, I thought that was one of our more enjoyable episodes to record and hopefully to listen to was just listening to that music and how interesting it is and how much there's to talk about, despite the fact that it's free of lyrics. So um, it's interesting. His co- composition style, his melody is is incredible. So I think that's why what makes it really work. So, well, I think that it's, um, um, you know, because we listen to. Um, you know, uh, non-instrumental albums, it's typically easier, especially in the, the rock format, even, you know, when you listen to like, um, um, you know, for, for lack of a better word, kind of, you know, like progressive rock bands like, you know, Deep Purple was at least 
you know, in the beginning, um, you know, you could, you can kind of like sink your teeth into like, you know, verse, chords, mm-hmm. bridge, solo, second solo, whatever. Instrumental, it kind of, it, it still follows like a, a formula or it still follows a pattern, but, you know, especially like, you know, with something, you know, a little more complex like this, it's like, you kind of can't follow it as much. I mean, yeah. like Saraband, you could, but I mean, it's not the same as if you hear like, you know, a one, four, five or verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Yeah. You you're know? not, you're not so much predicting what's going to happen next. Like sometimes you'll listen to a song you've never heard before and you're like, here comes the chorus or here comes the guitar solo. And sure enough, you're almost always right. And when they throw yeah. you for a loop, it's, it's usually, that's kind of the odd situation. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's the time I've been dreading. I have to pronounce this word again. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right, not making a complete fool of myself. Um, and that's jig. You know what? I'm freaking looking this up right now. Jig? <laughs> jig? I don't know. <laughs> I, got, I got the, uh, you know, one of those translations, uh, those uh, little phonetic things of how to pronounce yep. it. But then I realized I don't know how to read that. So let me listen. Just, just do it. <laughs> I'm going to turn up the volume here. How is it? Jig. Oh, Jig, I was pronouncing it right. Hey, oh. hey, there you go. Oh, man. See that? It's a good day See to be that? alive. Siri, Siri, uh, Siri predicted it. <laughs> or whoever she is. Whoever, whoever. Uh, she's uh, Oxford language has predicted it. So, all right. Thank you. Jig, it sounds like, you know, some kind of like Euro trash douchebag, you know, <laughs> that you were hanging out with. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the club. I'm going to the discotheque with Jig. Like, oh, God, not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we oh go. Oh god, not that guy. Here we go, Jig. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, this is not what Jig would be listening to. He'd be listening to some sort of techno pop garbage. So a jig is a lively piece of music in the style of a dance, typically of the Renaissance or Baroque period. Hmm. He could have gotten Richie back for this. And this, I apologize, this I think is the longest track in the album. This is 11 minutes long. Holy, holy moly. from what I'm reading it was customary to end a play's performance with a jig complete with music and dancing hmm. kind of a little whimsical now you can kind of feel the and I think that's what really interests me about John Lord's stuff is the thing about I don't like I don't generally enjoy music that doesn't have sort of a feel or a swing to it. And this, while it's classical, has like a groove. And that makes to me is all the difference in the world. Is being able to lock into a groove mentally and then I can kind of settle in and soak, soak up the music and enjoy it. Whereas if this was played perfectly straight, I wouldn't be able to, to, to... Keep it straight from anything else.
And of course, Bach apparently did some jigs. Yeah, listen to that, that that room sound on that guitar again. Yeah, it's good stuff. Like that mic is far back. Please, if you know how Andy Summers got involved, let me know, because I've been Googling this whole time. I can't find anything really explaining what happened. Summers has a no, um, he's a million things on his Wikipedia, but I'm finding some something from 1975. But other than that, it's mostly this is one of his first first things. Except for some things he did in the 60s with Zoot Money's Big Roll Band. Would have had uh, to go. I love the name of 60s bands. They're so <laughs> ridiculous sometimes. 1966, he would have. Well, he would have been 24 or so, I guess. Now he's bringing the organ in. Listen to that little bass groove. I, I knew you were loving that bass. Boom, boom, doo, 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 boom. Perfect. And you get some classic John Lord sounding solo there. Just almost sounds like, you know, 60s John Lord. Yeah. Good call. Just, you know, basic solo, which for him is always awesome. <laughs> basic for him very he's very restrained on this whole album which is really cool you've get you're getting a lot of the he's breaking a little loose now but he's mostly it's just he's not he's not kicking into overdrive because John Lord knows how to play for the album or play for the song Bass is bebopping all over the place, and I'm loving it. think this is like this is like a year before he would have even met or Andy Summers would have met Sting or Stuart Copeland and mm. gone on to achieve such 
success. sounds like a little like if that was just 10 seconds of that as an interlude in any Beatles song would not catch you off guard oh, yeah. something George Martin would throw together I hate to keep harping on Andy Summers. <laughs> yes, why? Why are you? I don't because kidding. I just think it's amazing that he's on this. But he's he's older than the guys in Deep Purple. Or I guess he's the same age as John Lord would be if if John were still alive. But he was he's seventy eight right now, so he's a few years hmm. older than Gillen and and those guys. So he he would have been on the scene for a while by this point. He would have been in his 30s when he was doing this album. So he came on to, I just guess because I think of him as his work with the police is what he's most known for. So I think right. of him as coming on the scene. You think, oh, the, everyone in a popular band is 22, but he would have been in his mid to late 30s, I guess, when the police were doing their thing. Oh, <laughs> woo! <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of like um, when we heard... Um, 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 what's his name? Billy Ocean. Oh yeah, doing the uh, the vocals and um, uh, what did he do him on? Um, the oh, butterfly, uh, the the Wizards convention. convention. Yep. Right. It's like some of these people that are popular and popular bands, like at a certain point in time, nobody even realizes. Hey, they had a whole career or a list of things they probably did before that. Yep. Totally. So they even got that good. So we got the virtuosic uh, drum solo here. I don't know if that's only Pete York or if Mark Nozif is doing anything. I don't hear any Rototom, so Mark Nozif's probably not involved. Speaking of Billy Ocean, about a week ago, you were over here. We were watching Billy Ocean videos upstairs. Oh, man. That was a freaking good time. Yeah, we had a Billy Ocean uh, marathon. Billy Ocean-a-thon. <laughs> An Ocean-a-thon. What do two hosts of a Deep par- Purple podcast do when they get together? Well, they watch Billy Ocean videos for for two hours. Yeah, drink drink beer with Nate's wife and uh, <laughs> after they send the kids to bed and just watch video after video of Billy Ocean and at one point go how many videos does this dude have yeah way more than you would think and I mean we're not just talking over his career I think we're just like in the 80s yeah (laughs) yeah I don't think we strayed much from the 80s no no 
Kind of got like a live and let die vibe from those. I don't know if it's xylophone or marimba or what you would call it, but. how you close out a side of the album i guess good stuff my goodness all right so jig which i am pronouncing correctly according to the lady in the oxford dictionary on my computer how do you uh what do you uh what do you rank jig um i'll give it a 3.5 um because it was um it was a little long, so it kind of lost me during some parts, including the drum solo where we started talking about our night of uh, Billy Ocean. Um, I mean, what do you do on but, an audio podcast when a when a drum solo comes on? It's very hard to. <laughs> what can you do other than talk about Billy Ocean? Well, I mean, especially like I don't know. I feel like if if I were if I were a drummer, I'd just be like, "Oh, he did this technique here," type of thing, you know. But it's I'm not. You know, he did the classic um, hitting the drums technique. I just picked up on that. I just thought I'd share that with the audience. <laughs> it's a, I liked it when he hit the cymbal and it went. <laughs> yeah. And then he hit a couple of the other drums and then he hit a cymbal again. Classic. And it went. <laughs> <laughs> but then the second time it went. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know. And now I'm just making sounds. But anyways, um, another uh, another great song, I think. So I'll, I'll give it a well, let's call it a strong three point five. Uh, okay. um, I like that. But longer, longer instrumentals like tend to tend to lose me unless it's like, uh, I don't know, there's an extended guitar solo or something. Yeah, I hear you. I will also give this a 3.5 because music, I mean, you can't deny the musicality behind this. It's great. It's oh, great. I love the boom, 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 boom. It's got a great groove to it. Like I said, he's got this great groove, this great pocket that it's in that just works really, really well. I think putting a drum solo on a studio album is a bold move. And in, in this case, I think it kind of maybe not the, because you don't really, it's interesting because you don't really hear that with a bass. You don't hear that with a guitar. You don't hear that with really anything else, but they feel compelled mm-hmm. to put in a drum section, which I, I don't know. Like if it was just the guitar noodling for two minutes too, I'd be like, uh, okay, unless it was really, really grabbed you. I'd just be like, it's does, it seems like something. Yeah. I'd do it live a studio album I, I don't know if I was buying it so yeah I think it took something away it it, it does I don't think it was really necessary I, but I think there's so much other strong parts of that song that that's why I kind of hold tight with a 3.5 right so you know what that means next up again I think I'm pronouncing this correctly Bure we're, go- we're going with Bure because there's that um Jethro Tull song by the same name, Bore. So that's that's what I'm going off of. Well, and I might be pronouncing that one wrong for all I know. Who knows? But here we go. Bore. Mm. 
That's what also call people I don't like to be around. They're boring. <laughs> so we're opening this one with another. Opening the side with an. Oh, close the last side with a long one. Jeez. Opening this one with a long one. You're 15 seconds in and barely heard a sound. We might have to talk about Billy Ocean a little more. <laughs> Fill the I was just going to say. Uh. All right, here we go. Some some percussion sounds. Takes about 30 seconds to really warm this, this guy up here. <laughs> it's a silly sound. So whimsical. <laughs> Can you see my video? I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't. I don't know where it went. It went bye bye. Apparently. very tribal yeah sounding opening very different from the Jethro Tull version of the song (laughs) I would say version it's not the same song (laughs) (laughs) Jethro Tull version of this that they never did the beret is a dance of French origin and the words and music that accompany it Bore resembles the (laughs) their definition of the Bore the Bore resembles the Gavotte oh of course Thank you for oh, clarifying. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, now I can imagine sure. it. Yeah. It's in double time and often has a dactylic rhythm. Very similar to Saraband and the little groove that mm-hmm. it's got going on here. And I don't think I've listened to this album more than... I've heard Saraband a bunch of different times, but I don't think I've heard this album more than a couple of times. And like, you know, here we are two and a half minutes into this. And it's just I love this slow buildup of adding little elements and Mm -hmm. the simplicity of it again. All I can think of is Ian Anderson skipping in with a flute any second. (laughs) Skipping in. (laughs) Standing on one leg with like a crane (laughs) with this. Twiddle-dee, twiddle-doo. It's like his child in time sound. Yeah, a little bit. Like a more, like almost like a little more staccato version of that. Oh, yeah. This song is really ringing some bells for me. Almost has this kind of Egyptian sound to Mm -hmm. it. Almost reminds me of something like Colin Towns would throw in an Ian Gillen band song. Can't tell if that's a if that was like a keyboard doubling it with a clavinet or if it was a, a guitar. I guess that's the guitar that's way, way in the background. That's matching mm. the tone yeah. of whatever the heck is <laughs> making that 
main melody line. <laughs> That's got to be Mark Nozif because he's he's brought that in in a few Ian Gillen things. Oh yeah, yep. And I remember I had looked it up. It's called like a. I remember I had looked up what what it was called because I couldn't I couldn't think of what it was called. It's like a a vibratone or something. Flexatone, that's what it is. <laughs> I googled silly sounding percussion instrument. It was the first thing that came up. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Listen to that. I don't know if it was his intention during this album to keep everything relatively simple. Maybe. There's got to be interviews about this out there with him. Yeah. Yeah, and so far in the background... I like how I like that though. I like how they're doing that with the uh, guitar sound. Mm-hmm. So much of this album is built up to just have solos over it and and there's just a lot of restraint in not doing that.
I got three minutes left, but it really sounds like it's ending. Like wrapping up, yeah. Like, ah, just kidding. Har har. Ding, ding, ding. He's got just two chords basically going back and forth. There's a couple of other times where he does that descending. Bang, 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 bang. Maybe four, four or five descending chords, but for the most part, it's just these, this two chord vamp, very similar to Saraband. And that's just very interesting because the rest of the instruments seem to be take go down this other path while he's still vamping on those two chords. I don't think he's even changing it up. He's not doing like the same chord progression down a half step or down a whole step or anything. He's just staying on that. Right. But it sounds almost almost stereotypical, like this is we're in the 80s and we're making a movie about, I don't know, Persia or something or, or Egypt. And we need to really drive the point home that this is this is where it is. So like really ham it up for it for that section of the movie. So the composer would write something like this. But probably wouldn't do as good a job as John Lord. <laughs> They kind of do that false ending and then start it right back up. This is going to do a three minute maybe ramp up of the intensity until it ends. Both did. Hmm. hmm. Bore. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Almost sounds like a submarine there at the end. Boring. <laughs> That'd be great if at the end of that beautiful ending where it goes down, it goes, it goes kind of from the minor, the major chord, and there's like, they did that flexitone again. <laughs> I just can't believe anyone would ever use that because it's so silly sounding. I mean, you know, if you're a fan of you know, Deep Purple family music, it's uh, you must accept it. <laughs> you must. That's your that's your true. That's your first test as a Deep Purple extended family listener. You have to accept that the flexitone is going to make an appearance, an odd appearance. Yep. All right. What do you think of Bore, my friend? Um, I'll give a, uh, another 3.5 to Bure. Um, 
Sounds like a sounds like a dish. It's like I'll have the pasta bourre. The pasta bourre. Or I'll have the I'll have the bourre uh, nineteen seventy two. Ah, that's a fine year. Swish it around. Um, it's um again, it's another long mm-hmm. track. Kind of lost me. Um, but that's of course not to say that it wasn't excellently written. Um, you know, great dynamics, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, I really, I, I, at the beginning and the end, I kind of liked how it was, um, like almost like kind of mixing, um, uh, different styles of music because at the beginning you notice they had kind of a tribal drum beat. Mm-hmm. And then with the, you know, there was this kind of, you know, Egyptian or Arabic sounding type of thing like, na 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 Um, you know, and it's like, um, and I don't know. I think it's just kind of cool because it's like, you know, it's like a few different styles in there that you think like you wouldn't think would mesh together in the same song. And he just, you know, just puts them in there and it's, it's really cool. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'll also give it a 3.5. I, even though I liked it better than Jig. Uh, I think it was it it had uh it it didn't have the the long drum solo to kind of lose me on it so I think I liked it a, a little bit more but still in the 3.5 range for me really good a little bit like you said on the lengthy sound but I think in the cor- in the context of the album listening to this as an album and I think that's where sometimes albums like this may suffer a little bit on, on in our format where we listen mm-hmm. song by song and kind of almost consider each song in a vacuum, which isn't really fair in an album like this. This is meant to be consumed as an album, meant to be consumed altogether. And again, well, yeah. maybe something where you're just sitting and listening to it, but something where you're having it on in the background. I think this could set a great mood and be a really uh, – and I've, I have enjoyed listening to this in the past, and I'm going to enjoy listening to this after this episode. Uh, but yeah, as a standalone track – I really, really liked it, but yeah, I think it could have been almost half the length. Oh, and, sure. and kind I mean, of gotten I, the same. I like I all mean, those long, lengthy builds where he's building stuff up, but at the same time, by the by, the three or four minute mark, where we've established a lot of that, and it, I don't know that it needed to. He had that false ending about three minutes before the real ending. That could have just as well been the real ending, and I don't think much would have been lost. I mean, like, I don't want to like make it sound like we're you know I'm penalizing. Um, you know, a great song for being too long, but I mean, you know, we, we going to be fair about it if we're going track by track. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, uh, you know, that, that's what I'm going to think about it. But I mean, these aren't like, um, I wouldn't say that, I mean, you could say that, you know, we're taking some ratings, uh, you know, to songs as, um, you know, Hey, I'm going to take points off for this or that. Like it's, you know, not good, but then you could just say, well, you could flip it around and be like, I'll give it this many, you know, because this is how good it is without, you know, having that negative side to it. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, this just really wasn't a strong song or it sounded unfinished like three, you know, but then you Mm -hmm. can say like three, this was a great song, but it was really long. And I mean, that's like two different like threes, you know? Yeah. And this, and this is a, this is a different style of music. And these are technically, I don't even know if you could technically consider them songs. They're more kind of almost movements or, um, what have you. It's more based in the classical background. So, all right. So next track up is as if I'm pronouncing it correct, Pavan. So here we go. Let's listen to this one. 
starting with a little bit more of the classical inspiration. The Pavan. I like the Encyclopedia Britannica says Pavan, probably from Italian Padovana, so they don't even know. Uh, yeah, it's like Ronnie's real name. Yeah, almost like yeah, Padova- Padovana. Yep, Padovana, Padovana. Padovana. Padovana, Padovana. <laughs> A Pavan. His basic music is in 2-2 two, two, or 4-4 four, four time. Consisted of forward and backward steps. The dancers rose onto the balls of their feet and swayed from side to side. That sounds like a dance I could do. So, I mean, Dio's Dio's last name must have come from the same... Dance. Oh, that's nice. Now you're hearing. Now this is the guitar player from the police playing this, which is not, you know, not a style you'd normally associate him with. So the Pavan, the earliest known music for which was published in Venice by Ottaviano Petrucci. I wonder if it related to John Petrucci. Great, 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 great grandfather. Insert a few more greats there. Oh, it sounded like almost they were doing almost slipped into green sleeves there. Yeah, right. reading a lot about these dances and I still don't know what any of this means. (laughs) Got a little jazzy there. (laughs) A little, little, little tickle there. <laughs> Mark Nozif's not going to be able to control himself. <laughs> I was amazed at how you could do that. You're like, <laughs> I love this idea that you have to embrace the flex tone. It's like, ah, so you want to get into the Deep Purple Extended Family, do you? 
The first, no. you know, like the mini trials of Hercules. <laughs> Your first trial <laughs> is, to, is to listen to the flexitone without laughing. <laughs> Everyone will fail. <laughs> no one's no one has actually ever made it to this point. No one is safe. <laughs> Really love his piano playing here. See, it's like you still just got this groove in the background, which this to me could so so easily fall flat. Well, not flat, but it could just it could so easily be just kind of like whatever but the fact that it's got that groove to it is just what always keeps my attention he keeps almost teasing that little green sleeve section still don't know if it's intentional or not oh it's intentional John knows <laughs> for for a fact. It's intentional, god damn it. He's like we have to like John Lord is too brilliant to do that like accident. Oops, like I didn't realize what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a dumb I'm just a dumb guy that doesn't know anything about piano. <laughs> what was that called? Green sleeves? Never heard of it. Unless we have a major turnaround here, so far what I'm hearing is starting off with this little orchestral piece, going into this great acoustic guitar segment, which sounds like it's playing mm-hmm. on a nylon string, like a classical guitar. Yeah. Goes into really this nice. nice little movement that teases you with a little jazz. Now it's falling back into the acoustic guitar, and it's like almost like the whole song is teasing you so far. It never really takes off. And sometimes that annoys me, but in this case, it, it seems kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he's he's looked at the <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what maybe that's why he's doing that. He's just people kept being like, Oh, we're gonna do a good solo here. No. <laughs> But it almost seems to me like when you have somebody who's a really skilled or gifted musician, they go through these phases of not playing super crazy. Then they get Mm -hmm. they get really good on their instrument. Then they start just shredding or doing whatever they can all the time to like show off or to show what they're capable of. Then they kind of then they get into that last phase where they 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 roll that back and show that they have the the skills and everything but now that now they have the the performance and the compositional wisdom to not do that and to to hold back and to restrain themselves and that's kind of what i feel when i hear this song is someone who is 
who uh, years earlier during the concerto was trying to throw in all these complicated back and forth with the band and all this crazy stuff, which was really cool. But now he's like, no, I'm settling back. And without question, this is the most cohesive blend that he's had so far of orchestral and band related where mm-hmm. it's pretty much seamless throughout the whole thing. You don't even in Gemini suite where I think he did a much better job. It's not, it's still a little bit of a back and forth. Whereas this just seems like the whole thing works together. So Pavan, John, Johnny Pavani, what do you say about Pavan? Oh, um, <laughs> You know what? I'll give this um, I'll give this a four. Um, it was uh, it was a little bit. Uh, how long was it? Seven, like it was on the seven and a half minutes. So longish. Yeah. It was it was longish, but in this case, um, I don't know. I just felt it was really um, just a great piece. I really enjoyed the the guitar and like the the kind of like. The little things that we were, you know, that well, you mostly made observations on that it was kind of teasing, but didn't go all the way. Like even like a little part where you're like, oh, oh, a little jazz <laughs> creeping in. But it was like it did just enough where you thought it was going to go somewhere, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of like crept in and maybe nobody else would have heard it. But, you know, we did. Mm-hmm. Um and um, I, I don't know, just another cool, um, you know, I like what you were saying about the composi- compositional wisdom of, um, you know, holding back or just, uh, you know, not throwing the, the kitchen sink in to show how good you are. You know, it, it's like, you know, John Lord's a was a, you know, great uh, musician and composer. And what are you laughing about? No, I was just thinking, yeah, I'm like, he's John Lord. He doesn't have anything to prove. Like, Oh, I, yeah, exactly. I better, I better show these people how good I am or else they won't know. I said, screw that. I'm John Lord. I've been cranking out amazing material for 10 years at this point. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's the point too, is, is that like, he's, I don't know. I always felt like, I think the reason that we like him so much is that. And because he's like a true, artist you know yeah. and it's like every time you saw him though too he was like always so serious about what he was doing but in like um in like you know kind of the most like not serious medium you know like most people would like look at rock bands and be like oh look at how silly they are you know people like you know head banging or like you know you know windmilling their arms or you know yeah you know holding the guitars up and stuff i mean yeah, he wailed on his keyboard and like, you know, like rocked it back and forth and like, you know, put his knee up on it and everything. But I mean, he did it with such conviction, you know, because he was and, and he was so good that he could just turn around and be like, go ahead, laugh at me. You know, it's like, you know that I kick your ass, you know, so it's <laughs> I, like I could and I would. Exactly. And that's why he could do music like that. And that's why he can do music like this and he can, he can do whatever he wanted. Without question. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yep, um, I'm giving it a four as well. Great, beautiful piece of music. Again, just beautifully composed from start to finish. Just very emotional, very beautiful. Uh, it teases you, which I think is a good thing too with music. It's 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 a, you're expecting something. You're expecting something else, but what you get is just as good as what you expected, if not better. And it's just a be- beautiful piece. Four from me. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to two shorter tracks to end this album out on the second side. The first one up is a track called Caprice. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Caprice. 
takes a notably more whimsical tone. You know, this reminds me of like uh, early Steve Vai. Oh, yeah, melodically, sure. But then this makes me think of Butterfly Ball now. Very upbeat. Oh boy. I like that he's having fun with this, though. So the Caprice is a piece of music usually fairly free in form or of a lively character, I'll say. There we go. Typically, it's fast, intense, and often virtuosic in nature. No, really, it makes me think of something that would have been on like Steve Vai Flexible. Like, <sighs> listen to that. It's <laughs> awesome. This is like not where oh, you're expecting this. this album to go. No. He's using a very restrained organ tone here. Cleaner sounding, not using much of the distortion at all. That doesn't take away from it, though. It's hard to not bob your head listening to this. This is great. Good stuff, man. Classic Lordisms being snuck in here. I bring in now. In come the synths. that was nice <laughs> that was fun that was yeah how can you how can you not have fun listening to that unless <laughs> your soul is dead you like that little <laughs> that was great well, three minutes in and out next song's even shorter but wow yeah i like and i like that too it starts off short has a couple of these longer songs and ends with some some shorter material so what do you think of caprice or is it caprice i don't know Capriche. Capriche. Eh, maybe Capriche. Capricci salad. Capricci salad. Carmine Capricci. I look forward to all of the uh, notifications of how I mispronounced all these words. Ah. Uh, And I have a nice Caprice Caprice salad. (laughs) 
I'll um, it it was fun. I'll give it a three point five. All right, I. You know what? I'm gonna eh, I'm gonna give it a three point five as well. Very fun, <laughs> upbeat, whimsical, filled with joy. Hard not to like it. Filled with joy. All right, which brings us to one song. It's the last song. How do I know? Well, because it's called Finale, and I know how to pronounce that. So here we go. Finale. <laughs> Oh, you're hearing like. So. So this must have been done in the studio. This is just. They're just fading in and mixing. And in stereo, you hear pieces of one song just go from right to left and left to right. Just as you can kind of almost see it like it's on a screen, like they're just flying past you. Like the house in. Wizard of Oz flying through the tornado and the little man, your little dog Toto, and they're just flying off. <laughs> yeah, kind of get that, kind of get that impression from it. So. Maybe that first minute or so was that. Now we're left with something. Unique to this song, at least. Although we've heard this before. Twenty seconds of silence at the end of this track too. Oh, <laughs> so maybe we hear like <laughs> one final flexitone flex, flex in the or flexitone sh- from Mark Nosey. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, finale. What do you what do you say about that one? I mean, that just kind of ties it up, doesn't it? An all out so, onslaught. Yeah. I'll I'll give it a three um, for creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, think- I, I mean, I think it was kind of cool, you know, and um, kind of reinforces um, kind of what you were thinking about it was, is that the album was meant to be listened to kind of as uh, maybe in one sitting. Yeah. And for that reason, I will also give that a, that one, a three um, as well. So. All right. That's Saraband. So how does Saraband stack up in our overall ratings, I wonder? Well, wonder no more. There's only one way to find out. Yeah, to have me tell you. (laughs) I could look myself, but I'm too lazy to do that. 
No, that's that's my job. Exactly. I only have one job on this podcast, and it's to do that. Yeah, the you 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 tell your union steward, and they'd come and have words with me. What are you doing taking away his work? Yeah, what are you what are you doing looking at the ratings? Get that's, out. That's Johnny's job. All right. So let me see. Um, yeah, my job. Uh, all right. So we got. Whoops. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Um, all right. So we have a 7.38 um, Saraband. Mm-hmm. So that um, that actually falls uh, kind of in the middle. Hmm. Smack dab in the middle. Yep. A uh, little little variance. Not too much in our in our ratings uh, here today. It's, it's, um, be, it's I, between two heavy ooh. hitters. Yep, and I rated a little, uh, yeah, a little teensy bit lower than you, um, but yes, it's um, it's between. Um, let's see, it's um, uh, a, like uh, just a little bit above Fireball and a little bit below Hughes Thrall, almost the same. Mm. So, and a couple of a uh, couple of spots away from that, a couple of spots higher is Wizards Convention. Interestingly enough, well, the bonus tracks of Wizards Convention. The bonus tracks of Wizards Convention, interestingly enough. The yeah, pro- but still, a Wizards Wizards <laughs> Convention thing is near it. The proper Wizards Convention is way, you have to go way up that list to find it. Yes, My goodness. Yes. Oh, Wizards Convention is really high. <laughs> one of our, yes. It's a one, two, three, four, five, six. It's our number six of all time, Wizards Convention. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. I forgot how high we ranked Perfect Strangers, too. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm just not going to mention number one because I'm sure it'll piss people no, off. No, yeah, just don't mention it. You'll I just to, don't think it's. You'll funny. have to either know and be pissed off, or or, or we just won't piss off any further. <laughs> or you can contribute as little as one dollar a month to have access to our reading spreadsheet and find out for yourself. Yup. <laughs> but um, yup. But um, yeah. Overall, I think a really um, I think it's a really solid effort. Is it something mm-hmm. that I would listen to? Um, all the time, no. But um, would I like you know put it on and you know uh, in the in the background for some mood? Sure, absolutely. And I mean, you can't go wrong with John Lord. I mean, you know whether yeah. I mean you got to be in the mood for it to you know sit down and hear that kind of thing. But when you do, I mean, you know you're getting the best of both worlds. I mean, you're getting somebody that's a um, uh, just a really like a world class musician who's like you know knows this type of music, but also is like you know a rock and roll guy too at heart, yep. and um, is able to blend the two and not go not go too rock. That's the thing too is is he like he's not like one of these people that like goes like really rock and throws in other elements. It's kind of like he almost does the the opposite, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, I mean, I had a blast listening to this. Uh, really fun time. Uh, just uh, checking this out, just as I do all of John Lord's stuff and all the stuff we do on the show. Um, but before we end the episode and kind of talk a little bit about the album before we go, we have to thank our foundation level patrons. Coming in at the three dollar nobody's perfect tier, we have the Gardo, none other than Peter Gardo, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Andrew Meyer, Duncan Leesk, and Stuart McCord. And at the $1 made-up name tier, we have Els Murders, Spacey Noodles, The Ghost-Tacular Leaky Mausoleum, 
Steven Somerville Concerto 1999 Fanatic, Raf Calf, Spike the Rock Cat, JJ Stenard, Hank the Tank, and Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous and continued contributions to the Deep Purple Podcast. We could not do it without you. So, Saraband. This is largely considered to be John Lord's masterpiece, like his finest individual work. Um, I can see why. It's it's tremendously well composed, well recorded, uh, well conceived, beautifully packaged. Just it's it's a great great album. Mm-hmm. Again, it's if you're if you're a Deep Purple fan looking for you know hard rock and riffs this is not going to be for you but for someone who's who who loves john lord the musician john lord the player uh this is something that's 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 gotta be in your collection because it's just such a great album so due to the fact of when this was recorded when it was composed uh this came out shortly before they would have gone to leave to go on tour for for come taste the band so because of the final days of deep purple this got pushed off until 1976 october of 1976 so about six months or so after the band broke up um it got a good amount of promotion uh like you said the album sleeve was given to one of the one of the finest album designers in the in the market and it got some promotion so it did pretty well and a couple years later after this Aberhard Schoner who who has worked with John Lord on Windows and John Lord on this meets the guitarist named uh named Andy Summers and he would join Summers in recording the debut album for The Police and John Lord credits that album actually as one of his favorite albums hmm. The Police's debut so 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 that your homework as listeners is to listen to Sarah Band and then go listen to the police debut album. What is it? Outland Outland Demore? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't even know how. Oh I It's French. I, I know really how to know pronounce the... Demore, but Outland Demore, I guess, no. is that how you, uh, that's I don't really you... know the uh the police too much, except uh let me see. The police. <laughs> He's Googling the police. <laughs> I have to. I don't really Oh, oh, Outlandos D'Amore. Outlandos? Outland, Outlandos? I thought it was out, I don't know. Well, anyways, uh, there is actually one song on this that I know that I really like, which, uh, you know, I mean, everybody hears... Outlandos D'Amore. Popular, popular police, but there's a song on here called Next to You. Okay. Which is really, really good. Um, first well, first you don't, track you don't know Roxanne? <laughs> Roxanne, you don't like that song? I mean, I don't like. I don't. I don't know. I like Sting's like Rastafarian type of delivery with his vocals. He sounds like he's trying to be like friggin' Bob Marley all the time. It is when you listen to it. It sounds really like. It sounds like he's trying to be like yeah, Bob well, Marley. I think. I think he was. Um, yeah. Well, good for him. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> good for him. I don't. Like <laughs> the the police is the only context where I can stand Sting. Like Sting, just one of those guys that to me is just is too serious. I just can't. I can't deal. I'm going to listen to this album though because I do like the, the things I've heard from the police. I like Roxanne. Glenn Hughes did a great version of Roxanne. You can look it up on YouTube. I mean, obviously, well, right in his in his uh, vocal range, Roxanne. <laughs> Well, on the same album as Roxanne, listen to Next to You because it's almost like a uh, 
it's almost kind of like um like a like a this kind of like a punk type of thing I, I don't even know how to describe it but it's probably one of the only songs that i like by them because it's just hmm. it's really it's really raw it's like it's uh it's fast tempo it's it's cool it's a great song and i mean i'll give credit to a great song uh you know no matter who writes it well or is, uh, you know. i do like i i maybe i've heard next to you i can't think of it off the top of my head but roxanne i do like and i like um do you ever did you ever watch flight of the concords no. So it's great. It's two guys from New Zealand, phenomenal singers and songwriters, and they they just do funny. It's a funny show. It's a hilarious show. You got to check it out. And they do like not parodies of songs, but like style parodies. So there's a lot of yeah. so they'll they'll be doing their episode of what's happening to them, and then they'll just all of a sudden break out into a musical number. And they have a song that's like modeled on Roxanne. It's not a parody, but it's like clearly in this. It's it's called "You Don't Have to Be a Prostitute." <laughs> so it's just you don't have to be a prostitute oh no 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 and it's kind of done in that same kind of fake jamaican style so that yeah. you can you can tell what the words where they're where they're going with that so they have a lot of songs like that that are that are mocking either a, a, a traditional song or a traditional band or genre and it's 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 really fun and the mm-hmm. just the visuals and the way that the show is filmed is just hilarious and it's one of those ones that's one of my comfort shows if i'm ever like stressed or i just want to relax and chill out i know i've seen every episode a hundred times so i could just kind of watch mm-hmm. it and uh, check it out but yeah you'll have to you'll have to check out that song because it's <laughs> it's hilarious okay <laughs> ah, all right well johnny boy until next week we actually have a week off this time um, Woo. a whole week off. What are we going to do with ourselves? Eh, probably work. So, <laughs> um, I will, uh, I will see you next week when we dive into yet another mystery item from the deep purple or deep purple extended family catalog. Thank you so much, everybody yes, yes, for yes. listening. We'll catch you next week. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to the deep purple podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See DeepPurplePodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah? You think you're nice? (laughs) You think you're a given person? How about this?